at Winter Retreat this week with our young people, uh, and I couldn't help but get tickled a couple of times at looking at how really young people never change. Uh, it's 2024, it's a different world we're living in, and our young people have access to different things, and they're able to do different things that maybe we weren't able to do back in the 80s when I grew up. But when I begin to watch the kids, uh, I begin to realize that even though they're living in a different time with different opportunities, kids are still the same. Uh, kids have not changed at all, at least in my lifetime. And I just about imagine if I talk to some of you older folks that are here today, you'd probably say the same thing, that if you watch young people, they are inherently the same as they've always been. Uh, I watched our, our teen guys the other night. I hope you don't mind me saying this. Uh, I watched our teen guys the other night. They were in the dining hall on Friday night and had some free time. It's just kind of a, a free time for the, to fellowship. They love to sing around the piano last night at camp, and they were in there. And uh, before long, somebody found uh, one of the uh, little balls that we had been playing with, and they pick it up and begin throwing it at each other. Uh, before you knew it, there was an all-out war of Christmas ornaments flying through the air. And finally, I just decided, okay, if you're going to throw something, uh, throw something less harmful and breakable. And I got a big old pit of ball pit balls, just a big old, like they have at McDonald's. I came in the dining hall. I poured them out on the floor. And before you knew it, it was just an all-out war. I was looking at these guys, some of them six foot four. I mean, big old guys in there. And they're just hurling balls at each other. I said, nothing's changed since I was a teenager. You just want to pick up a ball and throw it at each other. I listen to them talk. They talk about the same things. I watch the way they act around each other. I watch the way the guys act around the girls sometimes. And I watch the way the girls act around the guys sometimes. We keep a close eye on that there. But still, you watch them when they're around each other. And you realize, boy, they haven't changed at all. They're still just as goofy and sappy. And they still think they've got you beat. And they think that they're doing it covertly and that we're stupid, right? Uh, they haven't changed at all. I know nothing bad happened at all. Uh, but you realize people have not changed much. Humans are always going to be humans, right? Uh, I was amazed uh, a couple of years ago, we were in St. Augustine, Florida, one of my favorite cities uh, that we, we go to, we go to often, and we were in Castillo de San Marcos. It's the fort that is there, and at the fort, there was a, a jail in the fort. There was a place where they put the captives that were there, and we got to walk through uh, the prison quarters that were there, and on the wall, there were things scratched into the wall, words, and they had a little, uh, a little explanation guide off to the side at what that was, and we're talking to the tour guide that's there. He said, that's graffiti. Hundreds of years ago, uh, people are just like people today. They didn't have spray paint back then, so you had to scratch your graffiti in the wall. Let me tell you, that's dedication right there, that you want to leave your mark so bad you're going to scratch it in raw. People really don't change. People are still doing that today. Uh, they go out with spray paint and spray paint their name on the wall or spray paint it on a water tower. That's the thing to do in Mississippi, right? Go up there on the water tower, seniors 2024. Don't go do that, okay? Uh, but people do that. Why? People are the same. People don't really change much. Uh, I found it interesting just watching and listening to our kids and realize they're just like I was. They like the things that I like. They don't like the things that I don't like. And I want you to think about that this morning on the level of Christians, if you would. It's amazing when you watch the people of God, God's people haven't really changed much through the 6,000 years that we have graced this planet. You read the Old Testament, you read the New, you read about the children of Israel, and you read about the church, you'll realize that people and Christians haven't changed all that much. You look down here and the Bible's talking about the God's people that are here and how they have turned away from Him and how they're following after false gods. 
Uh, same thing we do today. You may not have a little God that you fall down and worship in your closet and you may not light candles for an idol that you worship maybe uh, in an altar in your house, but we still turn away from God just like they did. Uh, we still turn our back on God in rebellion just like they did. We still turn our back on what they say at the Lord just like they did. Not a whole lot has changed since what we're reading here in 1 Kings chapter number 18. I want you to notice something's about to happen here. In chapter number 18, we have this showdown of good and evil, God versus Baal, uh, really a majority versus a minority here. And I want to zoom in on God's people if we could. And I want to look at God's people that are mentioned here, and I want to look at how they acted. And I want to look at what they were doing and how they responded, because when you look close at God's people that are here, you'll see that we are just like them. We face the same battles that they face. We have the same problems that they have. First, you look down and you see Elijah here. Elijah is the one who's telling it like it really is. Elijah says, okay, he says in verse number 17, verse number 18, you're the one who's causing the problem. He just preaches the truth. And then he tells the people, if God be God, follow him. And if Baal be God, then follow him. Elijah gets up and he preaches, either you're with God or you're not with God. How well do you think that would go over in 2024? We like those gray areas somewhere in between. But then notice the people here. I think if we look close, we can see ourselves here. I wish that we could say we were the Elijahs, but I'm afraid we're more like the people that are here. Elijah comes to all the people in verse 21. He says, how long halt ye between two opinions? The Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Watch this. And the people answered him not a word. Unfortunately, I see myself associating with those people oftentimes more than Elijah because oftentimes we are hesitant to step up to do the will of God and to heed the word of God. The Bible says the people answered them, answered him not a word. I want you to notice that God's people that are here are taking the wait and see approach. I, I know that there's God and I know that there's Balaam, but we're going to wait and see what the outcome is before we decide whether or not we step up and be true to what thus saith the Lord. I believe you could probably categorize 75 to 90% of Christians in that group right there. We are in the wait and see group. We're going to wait and see before we decide if we're going to step up and follow God. We're going to wait and see what everybody else does. That's what they were doing in verse number 21. It's kind of like it went a retreat. I, I got up on the stage one night and I said, all right, I need five volunteers. They know we're about to play a game. And they know that oftentimes the games have food in them. Uh, sometimes it'll be really uh, good delicacies like Spam. Uh, sometimes it'll be potted meat. Sometimes it'll be Vienna sausage. I mean, in my world, those are delicacies, amen? Uh, white bread and some mayonnaise, that's, a, that's as good as you can get just about right there, especially if you fry the Spam, right? So I got up on stage and I said, I need five volunteers. And one of the young ladies raised her hand. She says, does it involve food? She was taking the wait and see route. And before I volunteer and step up to be a part of whatever we're about to do, I want to know what the details are and what we're going to have to eat, if we're going to have to eat anything. That's the wait and see approach that oftentimes we do with God. We know what thus saith the Lord. We know we serve the one true and living God. And yet, just like the Christians back in Elijah's day, we take the wait and see approach before we take a stand for what God has said. Now, folks, that's a problem. 
It was a problem back then, and it's a problem here. Now, here we are this morning in 2024. God has allowed us to live to see another year. I'm looking forward to the blank slate of 2024. I don't know what it holds, but I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? Other night at camp, I gave all the young people a little slip of paper and printed on the back of the paper was 2023 and told them there's some things they needed to leave in 2023. Acts chapter 16, the Bible says when those people got saved, they burned their books. There were some things they left behind. I said, there's some things we need to leave behind in 2023. I want you to write that down on paper. And they wrote it down on paper. After the invitation was over, we walked out to the fire. I took my paper. I dropped it in the fire. Things I want to leave in 2023. 2023, one by one, the young people came up and began to drop things they wanted to leave in the fire. I'm so thankful they were willing to step up, amen? I'm thankful. Can I tell you, they need a church that's willing to step up as well. Listen, they don't need to come back to a church where people are at the wait and see mode of, I've not decided if I'm going to do what thus saith the Lord. Hey, what this church needs to be about this morning is heading into 2024, deciding as we sing, but often I'm not sure we mean that I have decided to follow Jesus. Do you know that's what Elijah said, how you're going to prove it? He said, if God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, follow him. You see, ultimately, our testimony will prove who we believe God is. Here's my question. Here's my question. The two Christians we're looking at are, are the two groups of God's people. We have Elijah, who was willing, and then we have the rest of the people who were just watching. Here's what I want you to ask this morning as we go into this new year. In this new year, are you going to be watching or are you going to be willing? Are you going to fall in the category of those who are watching and waiting to decide to do what thus saith the Lord? Are you going to follow the example, Elijah, a man on his own, the only one who was willing to step up and say, I will do what thus saith the Lord? The message this morning is very simple. Ask yourself, where will you fall this year, amongst the watching or amongst the willing? I want to show you how you can know that this morning. Right here in chapter 18, there's a few things I want you to see. If you take a close look at the people, look down, if you will, around verse number 21. I want to show you why the people were falling into the category of the, those that were watching. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? I want you to take a close look here. They are dealing with something that oftentimes you and I deal with. Notice they're having to decide between two opinions. He says, if, God, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Number one this morning, can I tell you why the people were categorized as the watchers here? It's because they were suffering from what you and I suffer from often. Number one this morning, a divided attention. Their attention was divided between God and between Baal. Now, hear me out this morning. I believe one of the greatest distractions from what we should be doing as the people of God is the distraction of what we could be doing. All right, hear me out. We know what we should be doing, and we know what thus saith the Lord, but isn't it amazing at how often Satan offers alternatives? Satan is a master at alternatives. You read your Bible, you'll find that so many of the great failures that oftentimes we use as illustrations were failures because, not because they didn't know what they should be doing, 
It's because Satan offered them something that they could be doing. He offered them an alternative. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. I don't believe these people had a problem with God. I don't believe they're like, well, we just don't like the one true and living God. I don't believe that at all. These are probably good folks. Their problem lay in dealing with the alternatives to God. This morning, I dare say, look, you're here on a Sunday morning. I doubt there's anybody in here that hates God, all right? If you do, hey, I'd love to talk with you after the service. I mean that, all right? Uh, I don't think anybody in this room this morning hates God. But oftentimes, we don't choose God, all right? Do you know why? It's not because we have a trouble with God. We have troubles with the alternatives to God. I don't believe most Christians have trouble with church. I mean, how heartless would you be to say, I hate church? I don't think we have a problem with church. I think we have a problem with the alternatives to church. That's what our problem is. Do you know right now we're in the midst of deer season, right? Man, you know, you get up on Sunday morning, it's nice and cool outside. You maybe hear a few gunshots in the distance, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, it must be a good day to go because somebody's out there shooting deer today. And suddenly you're conflicted with, do I go to church or do I go deer hunting? It's not that you have a problem against church. It's you have a problem with the alternatives to church. It's the same thing with reading my Bible. What kind of a pastor would I be to say, man, I just hate this book. I hate reading my Bible. No, I love reading my Bible. And boy, when I get into my Bible, how wonderful it is when God speaks to you through his word. But can I tell you, I don't always read my Bible like I should. It's not because I don't like my Bible. It's because I have problems with the alternatives that are there. As we head into this new year, could I beg you this morning not to have a divided attention? Elijah looks down and he says, can I tell you what these people's problem is? They're not sure if they're going to go what thus saith the Lord or what thus saith Baal. They have a divided attention. Now folks, you may not have a false idol or a God that you worship, but I promise you as we go into 2024, deeper into this year, you will find yourself tempted to have a divided attention. You're going to find that Satan is the greatest peddler of alternatives that have ever been. He can offer you the greatest excuses for not coming to church, not reading your Bible, not taking a stand, not doing what thus saith the Lord. I need just take you back to the first book in the Bible. There was a young man by the name of Adam and a young woman by the name of Eve who lived in a perfect world and who wanted for nothing. They had the perfect world. Do you think Adam and Eve looked around the garden and said, this place stinks. Man, this is a horrible place to live. I, I'm going to go find a better neighborhood. Not at all. They didn't have a problem with the garden. Can I do what they had a problem with? With the alternative that was offered to them. Here comes Satan, and he comes to Eve, and he says, hey, look, you see that fruit right over there? Boy, you want a bite of that. That, that would be really good. You're going to enjoy that. It'll make you wise. It'll make you like God. And Eve took the bait. Do you know why? Not because she hated the garden. She took the bait because she had a problem with the alternative that was offered. Satan said, yea, hath God said. Do you know what he did? He gave her an alternative to what God had said. Satan is a master manipulator, and he is so good at watching you and I and watching the lust of the flesh that we are prone to, and that's what he comes after us with. You folks in here that are fishermen, I pick up Brother Dombeck a lot about being a good fisherman. You want to learn how to fish? Go fish with Brother Dombeck. He can tell you what baits to use in what water for what fish. And as a kid, I just put a minnow on a hook and dropped it in the water and prayed something would bite it. Amen? 
I didn't know there was a science behind all of that, that in dark water you use this bait and this kind of worm, and doing the spawn you use this kind of bait, and you fish at these places. But listen, that's what Satan will do for you. He's going to watch you and your habits. He's going to watch the lust of the flesh that you're prone to be drawn away from. And little by little, he is going to craft the perfect alternative to the will of God for your life. And before you know it, you have a divided attention. A divided attention. Oftentimes, we pride ourselves on being multitaskers, right? And that's good, all right? It's okay to be a multitasker. But oh, could I beg you, as we go into a new year together, not have a divided attention and try to be a spiritual multitasker. That I'm going to try to please God for a little while. I'm going to try to please my flesh for a little while. Number one, this morning, I believe the great difference between watchers and the willing is simply a divided attention. The reason you see them in verse 21 not stepping up and not answering a word is because their attention was not on what it should be. You know, this morning we get to choose what we pay attention to. We do. We get to choose what we pay attention to. I heard a story years ago about a man getting ready to go to bed and looked out the window of his farmhouse and saw folks in, in ski masks walking into his barn with great big old bags and they're about to rob him of his tools. He gets on the phone and he calls the police and he says, police, I need you to come down here real quick. These guys are robbing my barn. They're going to steal my shovels and my, my, my hay forts and all of these things. And the police says, listen, we're kind of busy tonight. Don't have time for that. He says, are you serious? You know, small towns, they don't have a whole lot of police, so you've got to cut them a little break there. He says, listen, we don't have time to come out for, for rakes and shovels and all of that. We just, we don't have the time. We can't give our attention to that right now. Just lock your doors, hold on to a gun, and go to bed. He hangs up the phone. 30 seconds later, he picks up the phone, calls the police back, and says, hey, this is Farmer Joe. I called you a minute ago about the guys robbing my barn. And uh, they said, yes, sir, we told you we can't come out. He said, I don't need you to come out anymore. And they said, why? He said, well, I shot them. I just shot them all. The lady says, excuse me? He says, yeah, I, I just shot them all. You couldn't come, so I just shot them all. But in about 10 minutes, here come cop cars and ambulances and SWAT teams pulling up in the driveway. And they burst into the barn uh, to discover the crime scene that is there. And lo and behold, they catch all of the robbers still robbing the barn. They go back to Farmer Joe's house and they say, Farmer Joe, I thought you told us that you shot them. He's a little bit of a smart aleck. He says, I thought you told me you couldn't come. You see, it was all about what they could afford to give their attention to. And maybe they didn't have the time or the attention to give it to uh, a robbery of, of, of shovels and rakes. But man, they could give that time and that attention to something like a murder and, and multiple murders that were there. You and I are the same way this morning, folks. Uh, we get to decide what gets the value of our attention, all right? We can't just say, I didn't have time to read my Bible today because the magnetism of the television was just too strong. I mean, I mean it's playoffs, Right? NFL and tomorrow night is the college football national championship. I just, I don't have time because that hypnotizing light of the one-eyed monster has just got me. I can't, no, no, no. We get to decide what we give our attention to. And as we go into 2024, could I beg you, don't be a watcher. 
Don't just sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to see how it all pans out before I step up and do what thus saith the Lord. Could I just beg you this morning, why don't you follow the pattern of the willing? There's Elijah all by himself, but he knew what God said, and he was going to do what God said, even if he had to do it alone. Why? He didn't want to be a watcher. Boy, I tell you, the Lord Jesus is going to come back, I believe, real soon. Real soon. That's my opinion, okay? Every teenager in here's heart just sank. I remember what it was like. Man, I'm never going to get married. <laughs> just worry about graduating high school, okay? Work at that. Worry about that more than anything. I believe Jesus is going to come back, and I believe a lot, a lot of us this morning are going to be verse 21. We're just sitting off to the side, not answering a word. Why? Because we have a divided attention. We're halted between two. I want you to think about David. We know David had a catastrophic failure in his life where David would steal another man's wife. And then have her husband murdered, a great cover-up swept underneath the rug. I want you to think about this this morning. Boy, it just dawned on me last night. What Satan couldn't do to David through an adversary, he did it through an alternative. I want you to let that sink in just a moment. David was a warrior, he was a fighter, he was always on the run, always wanting to scrap. I mean, David was a man of war, we know that. God said, there's a lot of blood on your hands, David. But man, David was never taken out by an adversary. But David was brought low by an alternative. An alternative. Folks, don't you think for a second Satan doesn't know what he's doing. You know the will of God. You know the word of God. You know that God is the God. Be careful when Satan offers an alternative. Because I'll promise you, David would tell you today, it hurts to be a watcher. It hurts to be a watcher. Mark chapter 3, verse 25, the Bible says that if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Do you know what division is? When you have a divided attention, all right? Divided attention, God, Baal, divided attention. Division is when you have a divided vision. That's what division is. Division is the devil's back door to destruction. Back door. All right? Satan may not come to your house in a large satanic tank with horns on it, trying to take you out spiritually. No, he's going to come through your back door. He's going to try to divide your vision, all right? Listen, husbands, he's going to try to divide your vision from your wife to another one. That's what he's going to try to do. That's the back door. Why? He wants to destroy your home. Young person, he wants to do that with you as well. He wants to divide your vision. The Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Keep your focus on him now. Keep your attention on him now. And then all of a sudden, Satan brings something into your life, and now your attention is divided. Can I tell you, anything that would take your attention off God is not of God. If it takes your attention off God and what you know and what God has said, if it takes your attention off of it, beware and run. Why? Because that's an alternative. And if it brought David down, you and I don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance. What brought these people to this place was a divided vision. He says, you're halted between two. I want you to think about Peter. It wasn't the greatest disaster in life, but he's walking on water. Why? Well, because his attention is on Jesus. And then suddenly, watch this, his attention got divided. Storm, wind, rain, and as soon as he had a divided attention, he began to sink.
And I want you to notice something. When you look down to verse number 21, the Bible says, If the Lord be God, follow him. Folks, we know who God is. We know who God is. We know what we should follow. We know what he has said. Follow him. Folks, I'll tell you this morning, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll miss out on all that God wants to do. Why? Because your attention gets off of where it's supposed to be. You know what God says. You know who God said be. You know what God said do. But wait a minute. God has a counterfeit made by Satan, and suddenly we take the alternative and abandon God. Before I give you the second thing, I'll tell you a story. Michelangelo, we know, I've never been there. I've seen pictures, painted the Sistine Chapel. Do you know that when Michelangelo was given the opportunity to paint the Sistine Chapel, he turned it down? He told them he wanted to stay in sculpting and sculptures and statues and didn't want to do that, but uh, there was a pope who lived back then, Pope Julius II, uh, who had a little bit of leverage, all right? And uh, he threatened him with some unfriendly things if he did not paint the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo says, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else, and uh, you, all, you might as well get somebody else to do that. And finally, the Pope twisted his arm. I don't know what he threatened, but he threatened something enough for him to lay on his back and paint the ceiling, all right? That must have been something good he had hanging over him. Now that stands as a beautiful testament of his work, even to this day. If you're not careful, God will offer you the opportunity to be about something good and something lasting. And you'll pass it off for an alternative. No, I want to do this. I want to be a sculptor. No, this is what I would like to do. This is what I feel will, will be best for me. And next thing you know, you've missed out on the opportunity to be a part of something like what Elijah's doing here. The difference in watchers and willing, number one, is divided attention. Don't go into 2024 with a divided attention. But then watch quickly. The Bible says in verse 21, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. So there's an action that needs to follow this. But before the action, notice what he says about them at the beginning of verse 21. Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye? How long halt ye? You see, the result of being a watcher needs to be noted here. Because they sit back and they watch. The Bible says that they are what? In verse 21, they are halted. They are halted. Number two, characteristic about the watchers is this. Notice a delayed, a delayed action. A delayed action. You see, as long as their attention was divided, their action was delayed. Now, folks, this is not deep stuff this morning. Not deep. But as long as our attention is divided, our actions are delayed. We're halted. Uh, camp this week, we had a rain out on one day, and rain outs are scary for camp workers because that means you have to go inside a confined space with teenagers. I told my Sunday school class the day that they realize there's more of them than there are of us, we're in trouble. One day, you're going to see a kid sitting back there in the dining hall. He's going to take his shoes off. You're going to see the light bulb begin to flicker. Wait a minute. There's 35 of us. There's only six of them. I think we can take them. We had this rain out uh, on Friday, and that means all the kids have to come in the dining hall, and that's where you just want to keep them happy. I told Miss Laura, just we give them candy, cookies. It doesn't matter. Just keep them happy. They can smell fear, and they'll overrun us. He's not careful. 
So we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm going through my notes. I have a backup list of indoor activities. I'm going through my notes and trying to decide what to do. And I'm talking to this person, talking to this person. And the longer I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do, I'm watching them. They're starting to grumble. The murmur begins to grow. And you're thinking, all right, guys, we got to decide something quickly because the, the longer we don't decide something, the more likely we're going to get run out of here shortly. And they're going to plant the capture the flag flag on the dining hall, and they're going to own the camp from now on. You see, the longer it took me to make my mind up, I was halted. I wasn't accomplishing anything. Can I tell you, as long as you, I don't matter if you're a young person, a mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, as long as you have a divided vision, God, Baal, God, Baal, you are delayed in your action. You're not, you're not accomplishing anything. You're halted. What did he say? How long halt ye between two opinions? It's kind of like drive throughs Um... Does anybody here also get drive-through anxiety when you're placing an order? Does anybody else? Come on, help me out. All right, a few of you. Thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. The rest of the folks will get right during the invitation. My family, I know what they like. I know what Miley eats, what Leslie eats, so I order for them. Most of the times I know what they're going to get. But sometimes I'll have some of your kids in my car. We'll drive through there and say, what do you want? Oh, what do they have? It's McDonald's. They're serving the same thing for the last 55 years. It's just more. It just costs more. We're sitting there. and Do they have the McRib? Do you have the McRib? No, we're sold out. Sold out. Yeah, they're sold out. So is there anything else? And you start getting that anxiety. Anybody else get that? And then cars begin to pull up behind you. And you're like, I'm just fixing to order you a burger, okay? You're going to have to eat it the way that it comes. Like, I don't know that I drink that. Can I get it without ice? Can I get a paper straw? I'm environmentally conscious. And after a while, you're just like, forget it. And you just go on to the second window. You know, the longer you're sitting there trying to decide what you want is the longer it's going to take for you to get fed. You make up your mind. You place your order. You get on about the business of what you desire to do there. And I'll tell you something. It's no different with God. Elijah says, look, either it's God or Baal. And the longer you're trying to make up your mind of whose words you're going to live by and where you're going to stand and who you're going to follow, you're not accomplishing anything. You're halted. You're halted. Oftentimes we think just because we're not doing anything bad that we're doing something good. Can I tell you that's not true? Just because you're not doing something bad doesn't mean you're doing something good. Doing nothing, I heard this once, and boy, what a true quote it is. Doing nothing for God is the same thing as doing something for the devil. Doing nothing for God is the same thing as doing something for the devil. So I just don't believe that. Well, look at me in Scripture. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It didn't say to him that is doing bad it is sin. It says when you know to do good and you know the direction you should go and you know who you should follow and you're not, the Bible says that's sin. Doing nothing for God is the same thing as doing something for Satan. And that's what watchers do. Sitting back, waiting to see how it all pans out, rather than just do just what thus saith the Lord. That's what Elijah told them. I know of no better example than Jesus Christ himself. is someone that was willing. You say, well, how do you know back? How do you know that? Jesus wasn't a watcher. Can you imagine Jesus up in heaven looks down here? Look at all of those sinners down there. wonder how it's going to turn out. I'm just going to watch and see. You know, if Jesus was a watcher, you'd be on your way to hell today. Aren't you glad Jesus wasn't a watcher? 
Aren't you glad Jesus wasn't in verse 21 and not say a word? Aren't you glad Jesus said, I'm willing to go down and die for them? Why? I don't want them to spend eternity in hell. I'm so thankful Jesus was willing and not a watcher. You and I ought to follow his example today. Now you say, well, how do you make the step from a watcher to a willing? Well, I'll show you. When you look down to verse 36, watch what Elijah, the only one willing, says. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, watch this, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. How do you go from being a watcher to the willing? What's the answer to a divided attention? Just do what God says. Just do what God says. Elijah says, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm setting up the altar. I'm pouring water on it. I'm doing what I'm doing. Why? Because that's what God said. How do you know that you're not a watcher and you're numbered amongst the willing? You're just decided, I'm going to do what God said. Just going to do what God said. Why? Because God said it. You say, well, that just seems kind of goofy, building, a, building an altar and putting a bullock on there and covering it with water. It doesn't matter how goofy it is. If it was God said, just do what God said. Elijah says, I'm just going to do it because that's what God said. And oh my goodness, I'll tell you, you read your Bible. I'm not going to give you all the examples I have today, but if you just read your Bible, so many of the catastrophic failures happened because they didn't do what God said. They just didn't do what God said. The guy with the parable, the parable of the talents, the guy who had one, what was his greatest mistake? He didn't do what the master said. If he had done, just done what the master said, what was Eve's mistake? If she had just listened to what the father said, if the prodigal son had just obeyed what his father said, he would have never made wreck and ruin. By the way, that's what makes you and I wreck and ruin as well. When we decide we're going to do something other than what God said. Now I want to tell you this before I close with the last point this morning. You look down at Elijah, what did he say? He said there in verse number 29, or verse number 19, I'm sorry, now therefore... Send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets and Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. Well, there's a lot of them. But wait a minute, how many were there with Elijah? There's only one. Elijah was the only one. He was all by himself. You see, sometimes the price to go from being a watcher to being one of the willing is you've got to be willing to be in the minority. Uh, me and the teenagers had this talk on, uh, I think it was on Friday or Friday morning, we had a talk, uh, Q&A time, and we were talking about majorities and minorities in, in Christianity and in life. Uh, you look, oftentimes the majority got it wrong. If you side with the majority, you won't fight with Gideon. You won't fight with Gideon because the majority headed home because they were scared. If you side with the majority, then oftentimes, listen, you will not be standing with Christ because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was the lone survivor. If you side with the majority most of the time, I had to tell you, you're not going to enter into the promised land of what God's prepared. Why? Because the majority usually doesn't end up following what thus saith the Lord. Could I beg you this morning in 2024, don't delay. Don't delay. Why? Because the delay is hindering your action. How long will you halt? How long will you halt? Someone said once, delay is the deadliest form of denial. We won't say no to God. But we say not now to God. We might as well be saying no. 
because we know we're not going to follow through that. So we see the watchers. What are they? Well, you notice the watchers have a divided attention. Number two, the watchers have a delayed action. But let's close with this today. Let's look at the one willing that was there. You look down here at Elijah, verse number 30, and begin reading the story of what he did. My soul, Elijah wasn't playing around. If you had to sum up how he accomplished what he did, let me sum it up in this third point. I want you to notice a determined approach. A determined approach. Can I tell you this morning, if you just begin to put yourselves in Elijah's shoes, this was not as easy as it is for us to read. It's easy to read at what he's doing and think, man, wow, he's just up there and he's bold and he's powerful. But you understand as he's doing this, look, number one, he's doing it alone. Now, he has people he's telling what to do, but as far as the stand, he's standing alone. He's standing alone. You look down to verse 21 again, you'll notice there wasn't a whole lot of vocal support for him either. And the people answered him not a word. Isn't it great when you have cheerleaders in your life? wife, a mom, your kids. My, my daughter would cheer me on if I fell flat on my face behind the pulpit. Man, that was great, Dad. I don't know if I appreciate her lying to encourage me, but I know she'd do that. She's an encouragement. Can I ask you, how well do you do when the cheerleaders quit cheering? How well do you do when the supporters fall silent? They answered him not a word. So there he's standing alone. The support has fallen silent. And when you look at what he's about to ask God to do, to burn up a wet offering, the odds are against him. That's why most people are numbered amongst the watchers and not the willing. They're too scared to stand alone. They've got to have the pat on the back. And the odds have to be in their favor. But yet here's Elijah. He has a determined approach. Watch this and we're going to be done. Everything's about to change when you look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Can I tell you, the fire and the power of God settled it all. Settled it all. When you choose, I'm going to be part of the willing, even if I have to stand alone, I'm going to be part of the willing. I'm going to be part of the willing even when the support falls silent. I'm going to be part of the willing when the odds are not in my favor. Why? Because I'm trusting the God who can still send fire. That's the God that we serve. Listen, he hasn't changed a bit, folks. He said, well, it's 2024, and the world's in a mess, and God doesn't do things like that anymore. Now, granted, he may not send the fireball to Central. I don't know that our insurance would cover that. But all that he would send his power and that he would send his blessing and he would send his hand. God can still do that today. But oh, he's going to do it through the willing and not the watchers. You can't sit back all day long and say, boy, I sure hope God does something. I'm just going to sit back and see if God does something. Hey, if you know what God said and you know what God said do and you know who God said be, then step up to the plate and do it. Because that's who God's going to use, the willing, not the watchers. I'd rather have five that are willing. I love reading about David's mighty men. The Bible says these be the men that David had. He had men that were willing. Oh, can I tell you, if we get some teenagers that are willing, some moms that are willing, listen, we get Sunday school teachers who are willing, suddenly the fire of God, the power of God falls upon this place, and people step back and say, the Lord, he is the God. 
the Lord, he is the God. You see, that's what God is waiting to do. God is waiting to find a group of people that are simply willing. Can I ask you this this morning in closing? In 2024, are you going to be numbered amongst the watching and the watchers, or will you be numbered amongst the willing? Oh, for your benefit and mine, I pray we have a church full of the willing. Though none go with me, still I will follow. If you have to rebuild the altar by yourself, build it. Build it. If you have to put it in order all by yourself and the support falls silent, just keep building. Just keep building. Why? God will honor the willing. Just keep building. When you get to the place where the odds are no longer in your favor, just keep building. Why? Because God will honor the work of the willing. I beg you this morning, make the transition from being a watcher to the willing. How do you do that? Well, the same way Elijah did. I have done all of this at thy word. 2024, are you going to be a watcher? Are you going to be amongst the willing? I pray this morning you'll choose to be amongst the willing. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God just painted us a beautiful picture in his word of what he'll do through the willing. Elijah by himself. You know, it's one thing for Elijah to be withstood by the prophets of Baal. But man, he didn't even have God's people to step up and say, hey, hey, God's God, we're going to follow him. And yet he believed in his God so much he was willing to endure all of that in order to see God work. Why don't you be amongst the willing? Young person, why don't you be amongst the willing? Mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, be amongst the willing this year. You decide you're going to do what God said no matter what anybody else says. Don't fall for the trap of the alternative that Eve did. You just listen to God. Do what God says and watch what God will do. Father, thank you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for being the God of Elijah. Lord, I, I don't believe the pessimists, Father, that, that say those days are over where your hand and your power, Lord, are clearly seen. Lord, I believe the problem doesn't lie with you. You're God. You don't change. Father, I believe the problem is us, just as Elijah told Ahab, thou, thou art. You're the problem. Lord, I'm the problem. Lord, I pray today that we will enter into this new year here on this first Sunday, resolving to be amongst the willing. Help us not be the sit back and wait to see how things pan out kind of folks. Father, help us just step up and do your will and live out your word, Lord, that we might see your hand work. Father, I pray there's one lost here today. I just pray that you've made that known in a way that only you can. Lord, they see their need for Jesus. Father, that's the most important thing this morning that anybody could do is trust Christ as their Savior. If there's someone here today who's lost and not sure they're saved, Lord, I pray you'd help them come on down. Lord, just help them walk down the aisle. We have folks that love to show them how they could be saved. Help us in this new year, Lord, to be about your will in a better way. And I pray that will begin right now amongst the hearts of the willing. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen.